Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. So great to have you here with us today, as today's show is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. The holidays are around the corner, and finding the perfect gift today is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy, however, to send friends and family an unforgivable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter college into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. On today's show, we chat with Brendan Marks of The Athletic. Again, you're listening to Locked On Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson. I proudly serve as the host of this podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen each and every day when it comes to all things Duke Athletics. Follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. We're moving to YouTube as well. Coming in 2022, go check us out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel already. You don't want to miss out on all the cool things coming here with Locked On Blue Devils. Let's get into our conversation today with Brendan Marks of The Athletic. You're listening to Locked On Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson, and once again, thrilled to be joined by Brendan Marks from The Athletic, one of my good friends since launching this podcast, a repeat guest. And now for the first time, we're actually able to talk about live college basketball being played, and I'm certainly grateful for that. Brendan, how are you, and how much have you enjoyed the start to this college basketball season? Well, I, I, I'm doing great, JJ, and let me tell you, it is so much better having actual basketball to talk about rather than just speculating. So uh, I, I'm certainly not complaining, and I can't believe it's already been a month since since when the season has started. Yeah, it's, it's wild, and we've already seen ACC games, right? That's what I can't grasp myself is that uh, – 14 of the 15 schools have already played a league game, Duke being the one exception so far. But uh, it's like Saturday, we crowned the conference champion in football while also starting and tipping off conference basketball play. Yeah, and and those ACC games have steadily gotten moved up over the years. Um, As you mentioned, every school's played one except for Duke, and I don't think their first one is until – Maybe Virginia the the Tech month. here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it, it's interesting. I think it's designed so that it, it sort of had to become this way when the ACC went to more league games. Um, you know, you, you can't just chalk more into January and February. Those are already so jam-packed. Guys are playing, you know. I, th- I was going through the whole schedule for, for Duke, uh, and I think there's maybe two weeks where they don't have a midweek game in January or February. So it, it just gets to be too much. So they've started sliding them up into December, which I don't mind, but it is strange. It takes some getting used to for sure. Yeah, you got to get used to it. It's just such an adjustment. It's like, hey, I want to wake Forest Pittsburgh. We're going to win the conference championship, and we also got all these basketball games to kind of keep up with and that sort of thing. All right, so Duke is the number three team in the country as we currently speak on this Tuesday. The only team in the ACC in the top 25. Let me just start there. Is it a little surprise? I'm, for one, surprised a little bit that they're the only team right now in the top 25 rankings. I'm surprised as well. I don't expect that this is going to last particularly long, though, I will say. Um, I think North Carolina absolutely has shown that they're deserving of being ranked. And, um, you know, they got they got dinged pretty hard for losing back-to-back games against Purdue and Tennessee, who, you know, both are, are good teams, <laughs> as it turns out. Um, so they got dinged pretty hard in the polls for that and, and didn't look great in doing so, so not undeservingly so. But 
I think North Carolina will get back up there. Virginia Tech, I think, uh, will eventually end up getting back up there. To be honest with you, JJ, I wouldn't be surprised to see Wake Forest make it in here quite soon. Right. I think they've been the surprise of the conference so far. But um, no, it, it is certainly weird seeing Duke being, you know, top five and then nobody else. But I, I do think that gap will close somewhat once we get into January and the season keeps going along. I want to ask you about two other, t- three other teams in particular, Virginia being one of them, right? Tony Bennett, uh, the league's most recent national champion team there in Virginia, Florida State, the most recent league winner that's always been so dominant. And then, of course, Syracuse with Jim Beheim. They've had some good wins so far this season. What do you make of those three teams? Yeah, they, they, I think, would probably fall into that sort of next tier. And I'd, I'd put Wake Forest in that tier as well. Wake Forest, I think, has just been a little bit better so far this year. But all three of those programs, I think, do have significant problems that are going to hinder them from being as good as we are used to them being traditionally. So you look at Virginia and, um, you know, needing needing a buzzer beater and like five lucky bounces uh, <laughs> to beat Pitt, which is, you know, sort of a disaster of a team right now. Cle- pretty clearly the worst team in the ACC. Not great. I, I just don't know that Virginia has the offensive weapons that it needs. And, and obviously this is a bit of a rebuild. They've finally moved on from a lot of guys who have been there for a long time and some big time contributors and, you know, Hauser and Huff are gone. But uh, I think that Virginia's defense will get there. I'm not so sure their offense ever will. Um, sort of the reverse situation in Syracuse. Syracuse can, put up, <laughs> Syracuse can put up 85 on anybody when their shots are falling. I don't know if they can hold anybody under 85. So that's the situation there. And then at Florida State, they, they've had a couple of injuries earlier on. And, and also, I don't think they have that elite top tier talent that they've had. You know, they are still long. They're still lanky. They still have, it feels like, you know, six dudes between 6'3 and 6'8". Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're going to disrupt everything you want to do offensively. They're going to stop you from getting into your sets as much as they can but they don't have the the individual contributors who when you need a basket late in the close game in the second half, they can go out and get it. So maybe that evolves and I'm certainly not one to count Leonard Hamilton out, but um, right now I, I think we have seen that this Florida state team is probably not quite as good as the last two that he's had in Tallahassee. Yeah. I talked about that a little bit earlier this week on locked on ACC. It's going to be interesting when we play more league games to get more data, to get more just eyeballs watching these games to learn a little bit more about those teams, but that Virginia and Pitt game for one, I mean, um, Pittsburgh pulled a Virginia earlier this season, Brendan, because they lost to UMBC <laughs> and then nearly beat Virginia uh, before one point swings. So that was wild. All right, let's talk a little bit about those Duke Blue Devils. Of course, this is locked on Blue Devils as we dive in eight games into the year, a seven and one spark or mark on the record. What do you think about their play so far? And uh, let's talk about the first couple of games that you saw. Yeah, I I think it's hard not to be really encouraged by what Duke has shown so far. I mean, I think pretty clearly they look like the best team in the ACC. And, um, you know, for my money, one of the best teams in the country. You know, I've been fortunate so far this year. I've seen uh, Purdue play live, seen Duke play live, seen Kentucky and Kansas and Michigan State play live. And, um, you know, even Michigan and Chapel Hill, they looked, you know, Ohio State. So I I feel like I've seen a lot of really good teams already this year. And to me, the, the two that I've seen that stand out amongst everybody else are Purdue and Duke. Um, and, and the reason for Duke, obviously, I think is Paolo Bancaro has been as expected. You know, he has been sensational. And um, I'm not sure that people realized how good he was until <laughs> the season came along, but he truly is a six foot 11 guard. You know, he's six eleven, he's 250, and he plays like a guard. So um, Duke thinks of him that way. They think of him as a primary ball handler. They think of him as an offensive initiator. Um, I think around him, the development you've seen from Wendell Moore Jr. has been astounding. Um, if there was an all ACC you know, vote today, 
I, I think he'd get votes for player of the year. He has been that good, that consistently good. Right. It hasn't been in flashes. It's been every game that he has delivered. Um, and then beyond that, you've seen different contributors sort of rise up and make their impact at various points. You know, Mark Williams obviously did so against Gonzaga. Trevor Keels did so against Kentucky. Um, you know, Jeremy Roach has had his big moments defensively, had that late, that late layup against Gonzaga that sort of uh, gave yep. Duke the cushion it needed. So all of those guys, I think, have you know, given you something in certain games and around the two sort of stars that have emerged in Paolo and Wendell, um, you've got a team that I think has as much top tier talent as any team in the league. Uh, What you don't have necessarily is a ton of depth. Um, and, and, you know, before this season, I remember having lunch with an NBA guy who was in town. He'd seen all four North Carolina ACC schools. And I said, you know, well, what did you think of Duke? And he said, they're great. The problem is that they've got seven or eight players. <laughs> so uh, I think that that has, has clearly borne itself out. But no, I, I think there's no doubt that Duke can hang with anyone in the country. Uh, I've been incredibly, incredibly impressed by the way they've played. And, um, you know, I think fans right now, you, you've got to be really excited about what you're seeing. Quick break in our conversation with Brendan Marks of The Athletic. want to tell you about Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get all the latest episodes all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save, Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone line limited to new customers and one line per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Today's show is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. Price Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not have ever heard of. Price Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns and even interceptions thrown. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and you can come up and win ten times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Make sure you use promo code Locked On, and that promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Pick allows mixed sport entries, as you can combine football, basketball, and any other sport. It's an awesome thing to check out. As also, make sure you use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made up in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out pricepicks.com. Use promo code Locked On or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Yeah, if anything, just frustrated with how that second half of the Ohio State game went for the Blue Devils, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, in a moment as Brendan Marks of The Athletic is joining us here. A lot of good stuff right there, so got to ask a couple of follow-ups. Paolo Bancaro being as good or, or better than advertised than a lot of people expected. What is it on the floor that jumps out? Yeah, it's it's a couple of things to me. You know, I think first off, it is his uh, – there, there is nothing he can't do on the offensive end, let me put it that way, because I think he's been more off – offensively impressive than defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, he is someone who, because he is so versatile, he can, he can really do just about anything the staff asks him to do. I, I was reading a fascinating article on 538 the other day, and it was looking at the way that he has been used in comparison to other first round NBA caliber bigs in the last, you know, I think it was maybe five years. 
And he by far has the fewest percentage of his points in the paint and the most, the highest percentage of his points in the mid range. And that's because he he's a knockdown mid range shooter. He's a competent, if not capable three point shooter. Um, I still think he's at his best going to the basket. I think that you can't stop him in transition, but he has proven the ability to do everything on the floor, which makes him an impossible stop. Because as we saw against Kentucky, they tried putting a quicker, longer defender against him on the perimeter. He has the strength to drive past him. If you put a traditional big on him, he's going to bring that guy out to the perimeter and absolutely cook him and just run past him. So um, it really does sort of, I don't know that there are any individual defenders in the country who can match up with him. And when he's doing that, He's drawing more defensive attention that then allows him to facilitate and opens up the rest of Duke's offense. So really that to me is the thing that I think takes Duke from good to great is when he is being used more as a facilitator. You know, if he can draw some of those double teams inside, whether it be via post-ups or penetration, he has the ability to make those kickout passes. It's about guys then being able to knock them down uh, because he probably should have a lot more assists than he already does. The scariest offense so far, just from a viewer perspective, the scariest offense that we've seen, Brendan, and we've seen this a number of times already, which is exciting for Duke basketball fans and just basketball fans in general, is when Paolo gets a rebound and he pushes the break and it's Mark Williams that he's throwing the lob. How do you stop those two guys when they've got a full head of steam? <laughs> you don't. You just don't. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that I think is the thing that that really has enabled all of Duke's offense. You know, the, the, that transition offense is it's lethal. It's potent. And uh, the reason that Duke is able to play that way is because it does have four guys who can grab a rebound and go at any point. There are at least three of them on the floor on any given time. Even in a situation where you have Theo John uh, and, and Paolo and Joey Baker, you've still got at least two of the guards on the floor who can push the ball. In addition to Paolo, who, who's right. very comfortable doing that. So they're all comfortable throwing outlets to um, you know, Mark Williams is oftentimes the first guy down the floor for Duke. Um, it does help to have sort of the strides that he has. It probably takes him three or four <laughs> steps. Um, but no, I, I think that transition offense is key to Duke's success this year. And, and Paolo being able to handle the ball in transition certainly is a huge piece of that puzzle. Give me a little more on the defense that you've seen so far from Duke and particularly Paolo buying in. You mentioned the offense by far being the more impressive thing so far. Got to be a difficult task at times to kind of figure out Spacing wise, where a seven foot one guy and Mark Williams is going to fit in and Palo, and then your guards out on the exterior. What have you seen out of this Blue Devil defense? Because the numbers, for the most part, have been really impressive. They have been. And, and that's what I was just about to pull up and talk about. But right now, per Ken Palm, this is the number 13 adjusted defensive efficiency team in, in the country. And, you know, I think the thing that they do the best and the thing that, you know, you saw the discrepancy the most was against Ohio State. This is a team that doesn't foul off. It has not, you know, in, in seven of its first eight games and the one game that it did, it lost. <laughs> and, and you see that, you know, the Duke is, I think, top five in the country in terms of not allowing uh, opponents to get to the free throw line. And so defensively, I think that that's huge to who they are because they do have, you know, one of the largest average wingspans on the team. They're a great rebounding team. Um, there is always at least one true traditional big inside, whether it be Mark Williams and his seven foot seven wingspan or, or Theo John, who has a little more strength, a little less length um, or, or Paolo himself. I mean, even when it's someone like an AJ Griffin in there, the, the guy's got a seven foot wingspan and, and crazy hops. So 
the rebounding and the ability to limit uh, opponents from getting offensive shots off offensive rebounds and also limiting them from getting free shots at the line, I think has been huge for Duke maintaining the margins they have. Um, in terms of individual defense, I, I think that it's been a little bit hit or miss. Um, I think that there have been great moments. You know, Mark sure. Williams against Gonzaga, I think, you know, he is sort of the MVP of that game. Crazy you know, good, yeah. <laughs> the way that he attacked Timmy and just really just went right at him the yeah. entire game was incredible. I, I don't know that even Baylor last year in the title game had someone who did that. They more exposed his foot speed and slowness there. Duke just took it to him right in the paint. So Mark Williams has been tremendous. I think that Wendell Moore and Trevor Keels, and, and for the most part, Jeremy Roach have all been pretty good as well. Um, Paolo, I think, is still figuring out where he's supposed to belong in a lot of those plays. I think that you know some of the switching has um, been a little confusing for the guys. You know, I, I vividly remember... I forget against, I think it was against the Citadel. There were a couple of plays where Jeremy and Trevor or Jeremy and Wendell or Trevor and Jeremy, that they would be communicating in real time on the floor. And while they're trying to sort out who's going to do what, that's when the Citadel attacks gets either an open layup or, or an open three-point shot behind the arc. So I think the communication is going to be paramount for that unit improving. Not that they're not already very, very good. Um, but this, this team is not going to win a national championship if it ultimately does because of its offense. It's going to do so because of its defense. So I think shoring that up, as key as it is to get guys going consistently on the offensive end, continuing to improve that defense, the communication, the seamlessness of switching, um, that to me is going to be paramount for Duke sort of reaching its ceiling come March and April. The holidays are around the corner and finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter college into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entries like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use code COLLEGE, you'll get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com and you'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code COLLEGE. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. omahasteaks.com, keyword COLLEGE. Brendan Marks of The Athletic joining us here on Locked on Blue Devils. A lot of good stuff so far as we're talking about this Duke basketball team. Again, they're at the two-week break that they've got before they're back in action versus South Carolina State. Let's go back to Wendell Moore Jr., uh, the junior captain for this team who's been so special, so much fun to watch this year. Uh, only player in the country with over 16 points, five rebounds, five assists, and shooting greater than 50%. The confidence is kind of the biggest thing that's jumped out to me, Brendan. 100%. It, it, I have tweeted this so many times during different games. He doesn't even look like the same dude out there. <laughs> Does he? I mean, he, no. he, he looks entirely different. And I remember doing a feature on Wendell last year before the season started. It was around Thanksgiving time. And obviously the start of the season was a little wonky last year. But I remember him telling me for 138 straight days while he was home, when Duke, you know, when the pandemic had first onset, he went to the gym every single day for 138 straight days and did the exact same workouts, working on you know, ball handling, working on shooting, working on dribbling, working on his handle. And I really thought that that was going to be the time when he broke out. Um, and it didn't materialize. He was good last year. 
but nowhere near what he's been this year. And, and I think that there are some athletic things he's done that have enabled him to have the success he has. And, and I also think it's the fact that he is finally a junior. And I think that he finally is comfortable in his skin. I think he's comfortable in his role. I think he's comfortable with the other players around him. Um, but, but in terms of just how he's changed his game athletically, the thing that I think is fascinating that I don't know how many people watch or notice, but, but the way he moves is different. You know, Wendell this spring worked with Duke's strength and conditioning staff to change the way he runs, to change yeah. his game. And it has enabled him to change the way that he handles the ball because he's operating from a different set base. It's allowed him to change the way that he attacks in the basket because, you know, it alters the way that he's driving. It enables the way that he gets lift off on his shots. All of those things have allowed him to get a little more space to operate than he previously had. And it is allowing him to get more so to the spots that he wants to rather than trying to adapt to what a defense is giving him. So uh, I, I can't say enough about how much better he's been this year. I think right now I would vote him as ACC player of the year. I think he's the front runner right now, probably even over Paolo, um, just because he is doing everything for this team, everything that it needs, and, and sometimes more. When, when Duke needs a clutch basket, it's not going to Paolo right now. It's going right. to Wendell Mel Jr., and, and that's an incredible, incredible evolution for him. Is sports science not the coolest thing, though? As or again, this Duke coaching staff and and the whole training staff that they've got, we're like, this guy's not running properly. I think if we maybe work on this, things are going to change. And then you hear the reports about Paolo losing seven pounds per game from the sweat off of his body. So let's make sure we're hydrating him. X amount. Like, what in the world? Absolutely. I remember, you know, it's a different example and he's no longer here, but Matthew Hurt last year between his freshman year and his sophomore year, the staff worked with him on, they have uh, the system that measures force when players jump and they would measure how he was landing and how his, his basically not landing properly when he was jumping was impacting his ability to crowd rebounds. And so they had to reteach him sort of how to land when he's in the air and doing that enabled him to stay stronger, to stay taller, to stay stouter and stronger in his base. And in, in addition to working on his leg strength and his core strength, working on his landing and his footwork, it cuts down on injuries, but allowed him to grab more rebounds. And he clearly did. So yeah. um, sports science to me is fascinating. And, and especially just seeing the ways that it's put into action. Um, it doesn't always work. It's not always perfect. I think, you know, Duke would have loved for Matthew Hurt, for example, and to have done yeah. some of that his freshman year. They would have loved for Wendell to do some of the stuff he's doing last year. But it does ultimately pay off when you put in the work, and, and both of those guys did, and, and especially with Wendell right now, boys do reap in the rewards. Yeah, no, and he's so easy to root for and that sort of thing. Such a good guy. Every time he speaks, I know he did a lot of um, social engagement and activism there um, during the Black Lives Matter movement, during the offseason, and, and, and during the 2020 year that we all had. That was uh, really cool to see. You mentioned the athleticism, too. I'm thinking about that Kentucky game in particular. Right out of the gates, like early in the first half, Wendell went baseline and kind of had a put-back dunk early in the game versus Kentucky, and that was kind of like, wait, was that Wendell? Like, did I see that properly? Was that number zero? And it right, was. Right, and, and that, I think, is two things. That, that play in itself could tell you about how much he's grown. Athletically, it's, you know, that went, that was Cassius Stanley two years ago yes. doing that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it wasn't Wendell Moore. Exactly. So it was that. You know what else it is? To get a putback like that, you have to know where the ball's going. You right. have to watch it. You have to time it. And again, I think that's something that has taken him time to get used to. Um, he's someone who had to get used to playing without the ball 
the last two years. And now that he has it back, I think he understands how to play in those situations a little better. So, um, you know, I, I, he is a guy who, you know, I, I don't root for teams. That's not my job. Um, I do root for the individual players and their success. And he is certainly a guy who I root for because I think he's, he's a great guy. I think he's a great young man. And, um, you know, certainly, you know, as a Duke fan right now, you, you, he is the sort of guy that, that college basketball fans come to love. Pretty easy to love, that's for sure. And we root for Brendan Marks every time he's on this program because he's that good. All right, so let's uh, kind of touch on a couple of other players before we get you out of here, Brendan. The other guy, Trevor Keels, in that Kentucky game in particular, so damn good down the stretch. 25 points for him in that contest to make sure Duke would win that basketball game. And that was honestly, hey, it's the start of the basketball season. Coach K is kicking off his 42nd and final year at Duke. Everybody wants to know about this Paolo guy. How good is he? After that game, the conversation was about Trevor Keels. Ever since, the output hasn't necessarily gotten to the level that it was against Kentucky. Talk to me a little bit about that, if you will. Yeah, so, you know, I think obviously Trevor was sensational against Kentucky. I I do think that a lot of that was him leaning into the big game atmosphere. You know, Mm -hmm. he is a guy who thrives on – Trash talk, which he was receiving a lot of. Um, He thrives on the lights, the big stage. I think, you know, as a young guy, they had more time to prepare for that game, just knowing it is the season opener. You know what the team is going to look like. You may not have seen Kentucky play as much. They had a ton of new players in in Lexington, too. But you can prepare for some of the things that Cal likes to do and what you know is going to be asked of you. Since then, though, you know, you take out that it's hard to remove it because it was sensational. But you take out that 25-point effort. And here, Trevor kills his numbers. He's been averaging 10 points a game, which is great, but he's been shooting 31.1% from the field. He's been shooting 30.8% from three while taking 5.6 threes per game, only 66% from the line, averaging four rebounds a game, two steals, 3.3 assists, and 1.1 turnovers. So um, he's been good, still about a three to one assist to turnover ratio, but Again, like you said, not the same efficiency that he had in that game. And I think there's a, a big reason for that is honestly his shot selection. Um, he is a guy who has tremendous shooting ability um, in talking to his high school coaches. They really never had to coach him on shooting because he was just so naturally good at it. And he ironed out the reps himself. I, I think that he has, to some extent, taken that for granted. And I think needs to get back to realizing that he's at his best shooting when he's open and and to get open like that, he has to convince teams that there's the threat of him driving. He is strong enough and physical enough and crafty enough to get to the line, to finish at the line. That's when he's at his best. And when he does that, it forces defenses to sag off him just a half step because there is that threat of his penetration. When he does that, There's so much more space coming off a screen. Theo Johnson, Mark Williams doesn't set the best screens in the world. He's kind of a skinny guy, but (laughs) Paolo, Theo, even Wendell, they all set terrific screens. When he's coming off those guys, all he needs is a second, especially with the threat of of driving, holding back the help defender. So um, I think that's what Trevor needs to get back to. And I, I would be shocked if Duke staff does not, you know, sort of show him all of the film of all of his layups versus all of his jumpers that he's taken in these next seven games after the Kentucky game, because he is going to have to be sort of the third cog in this wheel. You know, not every game. Sometimes it's going to be Mark Williams. Sometimes it's going to be Jeremy Roche. You know, eventually maybe sometimes it's going to be AJ Griffin, but he has to be a guy who's consistently stretching the floor for Duke because the greatest deficit on this team right now is it's three point shooting. 
And he is the guy who is best poised to fix it. He can't do that unless he's driving to the rim, in my opinion, getting those easy looks, getting himself in a rhythm and getting space from, from help defenders. Hopefully this, again, they had two full weeks off before they're back in action versus South Carolina State. I know that final exams are in there uh, as well, but you know those guys are going to be in the gym. They're going to be in the film room, and hopefully that's a big conversation. I know it'll happen. Hopefully we start to see that kind of change from Trevor Keel's game moving forward. I think that could be big. All right, so we're talking about uh, A.J. Griffin to sort of wrap up our conversation. The uh, Earlier in the season, he had the 118-point outlet already output. Um, what have you seen from him so far? Yeah. So, you know, I, I get a lot of questions about AJ from Duke fans. Um, yeah. I'm working on a mailbag right now coming out later this week. And, you know, I, I think there were four or five questions about AJ and, you know, what's going on with AJ, any inside info on what's, and they're all phrased the same way, JJ, which frustrates me because they're phrased as what's wrong with him. This is a guy who's not played basically for the last two years. He didn't play all of last year. Right. He was in, his dad is an assistant for the Toronto Raptors while Toronto was in Tampa because they couldn't play their home games in Canada. He was down there with his dad, working out, getting better, rehabbing, but not actively playing. The year before that, he, was, he played about half the year. And then from January-ish on, he didn't play the rest of that year either. Um, due, again, due to injuries, due to knee injuries, due to ankle injuries. Then he comes into Duke. He's in, in they, they had this, the staff had him come in early so that he could get uh, acquainted, I guess, with their state, with their strength staff, with their conditioning, getting his injury status where they would like it to be. Trying they got to do the stuff. sports science report on him, man. They right. Exactly. <laughs> so they bring him in even early to do that. And then in October, right before the season's about to start, he goes down with another injury. He's already rusty. Now he's working his way back from another injury. The, the kid needs time. He needs time. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if fans want to hear this. He might need more time than the season affords him. Maybe he's not a one and done guy. Right. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's We've great. Seen that happened before. He's a guy who is still working his way back. You know, that, that when I was talking to you about that, you know, lunch I had with a, a close scouting friend of mine before the season started. And I asked him, you know, what, you know, what, what did you see out of the guys there? He said, you know, Paolo looks great. Keels looks great. Staff loves him. Staff loves AJ, but AJ's not there yet. He's not there mentally. He's not there physically. He is, he is behind those guys. And that's not a knock on him. That's just saying the other guys are, they've been playing more frequently. Right? They've been able to do more. They're more in a rhythm than he is. And even when AJ was in high school, um, he, he, he was never the singular star on his team. He always had other guys around him. First, he had his brother, Allen, who played at Syracuse last year. He had RJ Davis, who's now starting for North Carolina. A couple of other guys who have bounced around and, and are playing Division I basketball themselves. He, he had a lot of good players on his team. He never had to be that you know singular star that carries a team and, and is the guy. Um, so I think there's very much a learning process that's going on with him. I, I think that he showed in that one game what he's capable of. I think the best thing that he's going to be able to offer this team down the long run is shooting. I think he's an underrated shooter. And I think that especially when he has the comfort in his leg and the mental comfort too, because when you're coming off an injury, you got to get there mentally too. When he gets back to that and he's okay going to the basket, when that threat exists, defenses are going to have to give him a little space and he has the shot to make those. So uh, again, you know, when we're talking about Duke's three-point shooting being his largest deficit, Keels, I think is probably your first solution but AJ Griffin is high on that list and him being able to continue to grow, continue to evolve. These two weeks of practice for him are huge because he gets to go back and see what he's looked like so far. He gets to test himself more. And now that he's had a taste of game action, 
you're hopeful he can string that into something more meaningful. So um, he, he's one of the wild cards for Duke this season. And, and just knowing how good a kid he is, I really hope he, he gets things sorted out here quickly. Brendan, it's been a whole lot of fun catching up with you here today on the podcast. Uh, the content's better when you're on, and so I'm grateful for your time and that sort of thing. The Athletic, you got to check it out. Brendan Marks has great work over there, not only covering the Blue Devils, but a lot of time with the Tar Heels as well. You mentioned the mailbag that you're working on a little bit later in the week. Tell me some of the most recent stories that have come out that folks should try and check out, Brendan. Yeah, you know, I, I think for Duke fans, I was in Ohio State. And, and if you're looking at sort of, you know, what went wrong, uh, <laughs> I, I think I tried to answer that question. It's not the referees were bad. It's that <laughs> the way Duke, when Duke got in foul trouble, it changed the way it was playing. And um, so, I, you know, looking at that, like I said, answering questions, um, hopefully I have a few features coming down the pipe here soon. But, uh, you know, like you said, JJ, I, I think that I'm biased, not just for myself, but I think our whole team at The Athletic, we've got some of the best sports writing in the world. And, um, you know, whether it's college hoops, college football, NFL, NHL, MLB, whatever it may be, we got you covered. So if you haven't checked us out already, um, come try us out. Free trials are available. Um, but obviously, there, there's my shameless plug. I got I it out it. of the way. So Appreciate <laughs> it. And follow him on Twitter at Brendan R. Marks. You won't regret following his work and, and getting an athletic subscription. It's uh, some of the best bucks I spend every month is being able to read not only your work, but throughout the Carolinas, what's going on with the Panthers and Joe Person, as we talk about from time to time. Just great stuff over there with the staff that you guys have. All right, you're on the road a lot, too, which is amazing, at these games and venue and that sort of thing. Are you a reporter that puts a lot of thought into where you're going to be eating your meals when you go out on the road, Brendan? Almost always. Okay. Uh, you, you can't, you can't, you can't every time. Um, but as much as I possibly can, I'm a big foodie. Uh, sometimes it doesn't allow it. I, I had a late flight into Ohio state, for instance. So I just ate at my hotel. Um, normally I would have tried to go to skyline chili or something, but uh, no, when I'm in New York, you eat when you're in Las Vegas, you eat. So um, I'm very, I'll just say, listen, I'm very excited to go on the ACC part of the schedule now because I know the places that I like and I can just frequent my favorites. So there we uh, go. There we go. Brendan, thanks for the time today. We'll do this again soon, okay? Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. That is Brendan Marks of The Athletic. He's joining us here today on Locked on Blue Devils. Thanks again to Brendan Marks of The Athletic for joining us on the program today. That guy is so smart. You really need to get a subscription to The Athletic to read his work covering the Duke Blue Devils along with those North Carolina Tar Heels. Coming this Friday, a Duke mailbag. I will for sure be diving into that one. Speaking of mailbags, if you missed our show yesterday, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Yesterday, we had a Mailbag Monday right here on Locked On Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Make sure you subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Locked On Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. It's a Tuesday. That means I made my weekly appearance on Locked On ACC. Go check it out. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop. For all your gambling needs, Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, an expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.